Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is Jake Grant and Coach V. Washington's in the national championship game. They're headed to Houston. They're going to be playing in a climate-controlled-ish domed area with a retractable roof. So Washington is going to be kicking on all cylinders when it comes to their offense. I can't wait for this game. The anticipation was brutal for the Sugar Bowl just for how long it was. I love that this is just a regular seven-day week, but still, even with all that, I can't wait for this game to be here. Jake, what are your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, I'm so freaking excited. Uh, I don't have Christmas this week to distract my brain from this game. So from the moment we beat Texas, this is all I've been thinking about. Yeah. Um, it's it's like the 91 Rose Bowl. It's, it's the famous rivalry washington michigan um this is the team that we love to hate um it's one i'd say it's coach you think it's probably our second biggest hated fan base after oregon are you talking about michigan yeah the cougs yeah yeah okay yeah but i think the cougs are right up there um i i mean as a kid Every shirt I I saw was a uh, uh, Husky Michigan Rose Bowl helmet T-shirt where the helmets are facing each other. That is the shirt I'm going to buy myself for this round. Um, it's, and, well, you were talking ahead. about hated rival. I don't think I think there's always been a mutual respect. I think like there's a lot of similarities between the two programs, and obviously they've faced off a bunch of times in the Rose Bowl, so and other times as well. Um, but hated, you know what? The the couple times I've had interactions with Michigan fans have been really cool. Um, Nebraska fans have been really cool. Ohio State was not the same. Um, do you, far do you like, think that this rivalry gets to be uh, more heated because moving forward now we're all in the Big Ten? I mean, this is well, this yeah, is because this is this is a team that if we do what we need to do in in that conference we're going to have to go through those guys to get to where we need to go so i know they're expanding the playoff to 12 teams um there's probably going to be multiple teams from the big big 10 in there on a regular basis however spots aren't guaranteed you've got ohio state and michigan that have kind of ruled over that conference for a while and you're gonna have to go through those guys and what I think, Jake, maybe you mean with hated rival, I, I I see it as when I think of the Rose Bowl and Washington in the Rose Bowl, I think of Washington against Michigan. Yeah, I absolutely. think of USC versus Ohio State. Um, Penn State, you know, there, there was a Penn State, USC is another one that you saw a lot of. Wisconsin, Oregon. Those are like the three matchups when I think of it. I think of Michigan-Washington in that light. I think it's more of a mutual respect, and I think that as Washington moves into the Big Ten, there is a really cool rivalry that could probably sprout from that Um, just because they're two teams that were dominant in the 90s and have really scratched and clawed their way back into national relevance. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, and that's kind of my favorite part about this game, the way that this game lines up. Um, ESPN wanted Texas, Alabama. They wanted their their SEC babies. 
to be in the national championship. And instead, two big, you know, a future Big Ten and a present Big Ten team absolutely spoiled that. And Fox is chomping at the bit right now, thinking, I mean, we have we have probably five of the ten best teams in college football right now coming, you know, looking next year into the Big Ten. So for this to line up the way that it is, with it being the last year of the Pac-12, no, it, I mean, obviously as a gigantic Husky fan, no better way for this season to end for Washington and to end the Pac-12 um, walking out with a national championship. In first glance at this matchup, um, it looks like it's, you know, offense, explosive plays versus Michigan uh, defense, hold the ball, strangle, ball control, boring. Uh, and I was unfortunately on a space tonight listening to Michigan fans uh, kind of just poo-poo a lot of the things that Washington did by, you know, figures don't lie, but liars figure. Um, I saw a some really weird statistics being thrown around, and, and I want to get both of your takes on this, but they were talking about that, you know, if you look at the percentage of completed explosive plays Michigan had more, uh, you look at it was all percentage driven data that showed that Michigan is a more efficient explosive offense because they frankly do it less. Um, You can't say that you have an explosive offense or anything near that when you have a game against one of three quality teams you played and your quarterback threw for 66 yards. Um, I just don't see what Michigan fan is trying to paint when most of their schedule is middle to bottom of the Pac-12, if if that, with three good wins. But those wins were still, especially the Alabama game, was just just ugly. It wasn't good offensive football. Uh, Coach, you're rubbing your hands together. I want you to get in on this. Um, first of all, it helps when you don't play anybody. Yeah. yeah. And the level of competition, Michigan's schedule was a joke this year. Let's just be honest. They played Ohio State. They played uh, Penn State, I guess. Yeah, not- that's my that too. Is I don't think Penn State's as good as they are either. I think the the big yeah. Is really good. So I think I think Penn State's worse than Iowa. Oh Penn God, State might have, Penn State might have less offense than Iowa, and Nobody Iowa has less offense than Iowa. Iowa's head coach, his son was their offensive coordinator, and he quit because he couldn't get any offense. I mean, it's it's, it's hard to stick around long enough for your dad to fire you, but that's exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but no, getting back to what Michigan does, and we can talk, maybe you want to save this for later in the pod, but man, I was grinding a whole lot of all 22 today, uh, looking at some Michigan games, and I'll tell you what, man, what they do isn't their offense is, is nothing like what we do. Obvious, you know, obvious statement right there over, you know, over analyst. You know, I can't even talk over analyzing it. there, saying that they were not the same, but what they do, they do really well. They're super efficient. They're super, I would say that scheme wise for what they have is really good, really nice. I think that um, if I had that kind of roster where I didn't have guys like Rome on the outside and and Polk and McMillan, I would want to scheme my offense like that to kind of hide some of the limitations. Um, really good at what they do. Like I said, their vaunted running game, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not quite as impressive as everyone's making it out to be. 
And when you look at guys like Blake Corum, who's averaging under five yards a carry, they just feed him a lot. And eventually you can wear people down. And that's cool. And they lost uh, uh, Zinter, I think his name is. The, yeah, the guard. The, they're all everything guard I mean, in the Ohio State game. And, you know, the fill-in is, you know, they've got guys, obviously, but it's not the same. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, you know, what's really weird is that they've been able to win games just by running the football in the Big Ten and some of these lesser opponents. And we can joke about, you know, McCarthy having 66 yards in a game and they're winning and that's cool. They don't ask him to challenge defenses uh, on the perimeter as much uh, outside the numbers. They don't ask him to go down the field a lot. But what they do, they're really good at. And I think we can dive into that a little bit more. But I just, I'm very impressed with the way that they scheme around their lack of outside weapons. But at the same time, I don't think this is a juggernaut offense. Yeah. yeah, and I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that you brought up their schedule, too, because I remember when we were in, me and Trevor in Corvallis, uh, Michigan, it should have absolutely gotten steamrolled by Maryland that day. Uh, if it wasn't for Baby Tua just turning the ball over willy-nilly. Um, and that was the fifth best opponent that they played all, all year. And Maryland probably was the best offense they played in the Big Ten this year, and they were moving the ball all over the field against them. It was um, funny, Jake. I'm going to interrupt you for just one second. On that space that I was in when they were talking about this defense and how good it is and how it was developed to stop C.J. Stroud and the you know Jackson and Jigba and all that stuff, uh, one of the Husky fans goes, well, who's the best quarterback you've played this year? And they were like, well, <laughs> Jane <Think> Milrow. <laughs> uh, Baby two is pretty good, but he throws a lot of interceptions. And then I guess uh, McCord. Like, right. Come on, man. Right. 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 Allard, Back um, to what you're saying. No, not Allard. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. So, mm. you know, the, the defense is good. I'm not saying that Michigan's defense isn't good. But for them to say that they've played anything remotely close to an offense that they're going to play on Monday is asinine. Even with the likes of them playing Alabama last week was that I Jaden Milrow almost got benched uh, a quarter of the way through the season because he was playing so poorly. Um, you know, Michael Penix with the chance of getting 5,000 yards this season, uh, you have three maybe four NFL receivers on this offense. There's there's no offense in this nation like this one. And for you to say that your defense can can hold up to an offense that's comparable to it, well, A, you haven't played one, and B, I don't know with the way that Washington's offense is rolling right now, is there a defense that can contain them right now? And here's the the comment about this team being developed to beat a team like this because they were able to beat Ohio State. They gave up 51 to TCU a year ago because yeah. they say it's a lot of the same guys that were there when Ohio when they beat Ohio State. Okay, great. You can say that you beat Ohio State even though Ohio State put up numbers. You also lost to TCU who got boat raced in the final. So... Maybe let's let's cool it on this defense is built to 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 beat a high powered offense. 
Totally. I don't buy it. I think that's a lot of rationalization. I think that I think Michigan fans have been distracted by their own arrogance and the 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 playing the victim card all year about woe is us, you know, nobody wants us to be here. Everybody thinks that, you know, they they took our coach away for our six games or whatever. You know, they just they've got this like dug in bunker mentality that's completely undeserved and unearned. And I'm just laughing because I don't want to live in a universe where the football gods would allow these clowns to win a national championship this year. Yep. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought them playing the victim card up too, because the NCAA is notorious for not just suspending people willy-nilly. Um, so the fact that they suspended Harbaugh through the regular season speaks volumes as to how much... Oh, that uh, was the conference that did that. Okay. Uh, they had evidence built sure. against Harbaugh in Michigan. And and for for him to be, to be missing a couple of games speaks wonders. Um, so you can play, you know, woe is me all you want. Uh, but the rest of the world isn't buying it, and and you can cry until you're blue in the face. Everybody else has their truth and knows the truth, and and nobody else is rooting for you. Yeah, you put that rooting map up. There's two places where you're gonna find the maze in the blue. That's gonna be the state of Michigan and our friends to the south. That's that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Jake, what do you got on this offense? Just when it comes to the guys that are uh that are difference makers and please don't leave out former utah great uh quarterback jack tuttle um unfortunately i'm gonna leave out utah great jack tuttle (laughs) sorry sorry i there wasn't a lot of film he has four carries for 35 yards there's really not a lot of film on michigan offense to begin with Uh, it's slow Coach really took away some of the players that he's not big on Blake Corum. Uh, shame on you. I am. Well, uh, I didn't say I wasn't big on Blake Corum. I'm just saying, like, let's not make it out to be like he's Rashawn Salam from the 90s who had a two <laughs> Heisman season. No, he'd average 4.7 yards per carry because they're pounding him into the line. He got 25 touchdowns this year, which is amazing. Yeah. And, and, and I, I do think it is the Blake Corum show when it comes to Michigan offense. He, his numbers aren't as good as Dylan Johnson's. Uh, he does have more touchdowns. He has less yards and less receiving yards. But when you watch the four big games that Michigan has played, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, and Alabama, those are the games that they really utilize Blake Corum at his finest. Uh, just looking at last week alone, Blake Corum had two of the four touchdowns that Michigan had, one receiving, one rushing. Um, they get into the red zone and it seems to me like that's really the only way that the Michigan offense isn't going to stall is by using Blake Corum, um, because he's so dynamic and because he has the ability to find the open pocket. And, um, I mean, in the middle of us watching, you thought Alabama should have been playing zone in the red zone because of that coach. I think you made that comment, right? Yeah. I just think that when Michigan needs a play, they're going with man beaters. They're going with mesh. They're going with yeah. crosses. They're trying to get, they're trying to scheme guys open that our guys just get open. Like we don't need yeah. to do that as much, but yeah. that's probably why we don't use mesh all the time is because we don't need it. 
but Michigan will definitely definitely make you have to run through traffic to cover somebody and shallows, even those little hide routes underneath the offensive line and coming out the backside. Um, they're just, it's, it's a smart thing to do to change it up and play zone when they really need a play. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's been a lot of talk about JJ McCarthy this week. Harbaugh says that he's the best Michigan quarterback to ever play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a TV 12 would have something to say about that, but, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy's numbers don't pop out at you. He's got 2,800 yards this year um, in the air. Uh, he's got 22 touchdowns. He only has four interceptions. So, But he's been sacked 18 times. So, you know, if you get pressure on J.J., that's going to be the way that you can that you can control this game on Washington's defense because third down efficiency for Michigan has been very high this season. Uh, and And – what JJ McCarthy does that has worked for Michigan is he will escape the pocket and he is able to run the football. Um, so, so to, to get pressure coming from the center on JJ McCarthy, make him move his feet, get pressure in the center of him, not just on the outsides of him is going to be probably the most important thing for the Washington defense to do, whether that's relying on Thule to, get that pressure up the gut or sending pressure with Ulufusio through blitzes. Um, I just think that for us to, to hold Michigan's defense to a respectable score, we're going to have to, we're going to have to get pressure up the center on, on JJ McCarthy. And 18 sacks um, isn't really that much for 15 games or 14 games. We're just kind of spoiled that, you know, yeah, with 10 sacks. The right. thing with JJ though is he's so athletic that and they don't ask him to hold the ball in the pocket like like our guy does. So if it's like a third and three, and you're thinking, okay, is it going to be a run? Is it going to pass? They'll they'll just roll him out and they'll do the speed out, speed cut to the outside. He's really good at throwing on the run to his right. Maybe not so much as to his left. I think that's that's an opportunity there for the defensive coaches to say third and five or less sprint out to the right let's cloud that side and kind of take something away but he's not going to just sit back there five seven step drop and and take it down the field because his his most dangerous player is not a big dude yeah right all Roman Wilson's big plays are schemed crossers and screens and anything they can do to kind of get the ball in his hands but he's not Roman Dunze oh not not near well that's not fair. I don't I'll know. I'll tell you there's, what. I was about, <laughs> there's nobody that's wrong. Second, if yeah, someone said, "Hey, do you want him next year?" I'd be like, "Absolutely." Right. But it's just a different. It's a different thing that they do with their guys as opposed to what we do with ours. Um, Coach, how do you see Washington going about stopping this offense? Whatever stopping this offense means, whether it's ball control or. Uh, you know, keeping them from scoring, you know, 45 points, which they did last year in the semifinal. I think this is going to be a really interesting chess match between the coaches because obviously Michigan prides itself on that ball control stuff and playing good defense. They're going to want to try to hold the ball as long as possible and keep us off the field. I think the the fewer possessions they give our offense, the better they feel about it. So even if they go down the field and possess the ball for 11 or 12 plays, maybe they kick a field goal. Their kicker's obviously got a pretty big leg. Um, 
not as big as Moody, but anyway, if they can just get three right there and they've taken six minutes off the clock, that's six minutes that Michael Penix didn't have the ball in his hands. Right. And the big thing for us is just not to get greedy because we don't need to score in three plays. And it would behoove us to keep them off the field as much as possible as well. And if we can have extended drives and just get first down after first down and first down and then punch it in, Michigan's screwed. I'm sorry. I, I feel very strongly about that. Yeah. This game could go one of two ways in my mind, but we haven't seen this, this Husky team click and just hit on all cylinders in a very long time. Like there's been a lot of, you know, push and pull and here we're up by 10. Now we gave up a score. Oh my God. You know, that the ending of that last game never should have happened. And and that's kind of how we live. You know, we're just in that like six point bubble. But if Washington comes out and just plays their A game for 60 minutes, I'm I'm gonna be celebrating on Monday night. Yeah, yeah I'm glad I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I, I I feel especially strong that if Washington were to get up two scores early in the first half against Michigan. Um, that isn't really our MO in the first half. We typically do it in the second half, but if we can go up two scores in the first half, Michigan isn't built to come back from that. And that's when you're going to see JJ McCarthy sit in the pocket for five, seven step drops. And then that's when you're going to see JJ McCarthy take those hits. Yeah. And I, I look at the teams that were able to come back, the really good teams that Washington had a hard time putting away. You know, there's a lot of flukes around some of the games, around the Oregon games and uh, and then the Texas game. But those three teams and in, in sp- specifically those three teams, what they had was a quarterback that was uh, very talented and uh, two quarterbacks that I would take over J.J. McCarthy. Not only that is I would take the receiving cores of either Oregon or Texas over what we're going to see with Michigan. Um, and even with that, outside of uh, a blatant push – late uh, on a 41 yard completion to Jordan Winnington, Washington was able to keep Xavier worthy to 45 yards on two catches. They were able to playing that prevent defense. When they got up, they were giving up yards, but when it mattered, it just seemed like Washington's defensive backs were up to the challenge. And now you're going to give a, uh, give them a core that's nowhere near the talent of Texas's. If, if they get behind, the game is over. And that's highly dependent, though, on, again, you know, it seems like, you know, we got up by 10 in Vegas on Oregon, and then Tez Johnson gets loose down the middle of the field for no good reason. Well, a play that, you know, there's basically one play, and they're all the way right. down there. And um, you got to make Michigan do un-Michigan things. And if you make J.J. hold the ball – now Braylon's going to you know, get a chance to get in there. Other guys are going to have a chance to, to kind of affect him a little bit. And our guys playing lesser receivers than they played the last two games with Oregon and, and Texas, being in their zones and being able to kind of pass people off and feel good about it and confident, um, it's it's going to be tough. And, and I have a feeling that Michigan in that crunch time is still going to be checking down to the short and intermediate and trying to move the ball that way and using more clock than they want to. Four guys, four guys on defense, Ulufusio, Bruner, Tupatala, 
and Raylan Goforth. Uh, those four guys to me are ex- the, the most extremely important guys on that defense. Um, Blake, they're going to get Blake Corum out in the flats. They're going to get Blake Corum out in the open. They're going to find pockets of zone. Those four guys don't miss tackles and complete tackles and gang tackle on Blake Corum. Uh, this defense could have a heck of a day. I a hundred percent agree. I think that, I mean, the, obviously the defensive line has to get more push than they did against Texas. Um, coach, you, you know, more than any of us, can you compare uh, the two offensive lines that Washington's seen? Uh, or I guess three, you could throw Oregon, Texas and Michigan. What do you think? How do you think Michigan stacks up with those two? They're really good. Um, they're not quite as good as they were last year when they won the Joe Moore Award. Um, losing losing Zinter, I think his name is. Uh, that kid was really good. Um, but they're still good, man. They're still Michigan. Same offensive line coach. Same, you know, they they recruit really well, especially along the lines. Um, I'm not too worried about it i guess because i think we've seen similar offensive lines with oregon and texas yeah i don't think they're necessarily any better than the last two teams we faced but they're definitely not worse um any closing statements on uh washington's defense against uh michigan's offense you guys better be ready you guys better be ready to bring the lumber um how many do you think are going to be in the box well, it just depends on down and distance, obviously, but it's really hard to get Michigan into like third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Yeah. Unless you're unless there's a penalty, they get backed up somehow. Um, it's really hard to get them out of the like third and five or less. It's I think our safety is gonna have to win this game, man. I think Dom Hampton, I think uh Asa Turner, I think Cam Fab, I think Mikel Estein. All of these guys are going to have to play their butts off. They're going to have to play better than they did in the Sugar Bowl. And I didn't think they played poorly. I thought Dom had a great game. I think Asa had a pretty good game outside of the penalty. Cam, it wasn't his best game, but he's had really good games. And so yeah, that's definitely a part of him. I thought Mikel had some really good snaps. Um, those guys have to be A-plus game all the way so we can kind of get the ball back and do what we need to do. So we've mentioned now D-line, linebackers, safeties. Trevor, do you want to pick anybody else on the defense to <laughs> talk about? Okay, uh, seriously, important? though, if we're not going to talk about Braylon Trice, are we actually doing our homework? Like, he, again, <laughs> is going to be extremely important to this game. He's going to have to find a way to disrupt their run game and he's going to have to find a way to get his hands up in the passing lanes because they're just, they're not going to hold the ball. Like they're just not going to hold the ball that long. And so he's going to have to be quick. He's going to have to be his man. like he did in the Texas game a few times where he just beat him off the snap, surprise the quarterback and get in there. But the main thing is just to not rush past JJ because he will step up in the pocket and he will, he does have the legs to be able to move out there. Just get in his face, get in his way. If you contain him in the pocket, get your hands up and just affect those passing lanes because he, he he's checking the ball down in the middle of the field and into the flats. If you can get your hand up, that's a lower trajectory. Um, I like to see ZTF go off. 
Yeah. Because I feel like he's been extremely quiet since the USC game. And we need his like COVID season version of ZTF. We need him to be a disruptor. And he has, he's, he's all over the field and he's super athletic and he's doing a lot of things in coverage. I need him to whoop somebody's ass off the, off the snap. Switching over to Michigan's defensive side of the ball. This, this is a very, very good defense. Um, You know, I came on with the sugar bowl saying that win or lose Washington's best opponent will still be Oregon. Uh, mm, I, I don't know about that anymore. I think that this would be an interesting matchup between Oregon and Michigan. I think this defense is really good and it starts up front. Um, They have everybody on this line. They're deep. They get to the quarterback. They do it up the middle. Um, they do it from the, from the edges. They don't have, they don't have a Braylon Trice. Um, they don't have Aiden Hutchison anymore. Um, but they still get after the quarterback extremely efficiently. They were able to get to Jalen Milrow like five or six times in that game. Um, Jalen Milrow obviously is a different quarterback than Michael Penix. The linebackers are very, very good tacklers. Um, and the secondary is physical. All of those things um, are true. The The part of it that I want to focus on is really more of the matchup with Washington's offense. Uh, and the fact is that for the most of this season, they did not see a competent offense. And in some games, they saw Iowa. And they saw quarterbacks that had no business being in a major college game. But the fact is that they went through their schedule and they dominated defensively almost every game. The only problem for Michigan is that they're going up against the best offensive line in the country, and especially when it comes to pass protection. Uh, Texas had those big boys up the middle that I think uh, with uh, Sweat and Murphy, who I think are the two best defensive linemen in the country, and that's, you know, graded out through PFF uh, as well as my eye test and also award season um, with sweat winning uh, the best defensive lineman in the country. But with all of that said, this offensive line continues to keep Penix upright and comfortable. Um, And you're adding better defensive ends, but both of those the left and the right tackle are going to the NFL. And so their best attribute we take out. The athletes that we have at tight end and receiver are something that this team hasn't seen. And you can you can talk about, you know, last year beating Ohio State, and that's great. Um, but then TCU tore it up. And our receivers are better than TCUs. Our quarterback was better than TCUs. And the speed in which our guys play tight end position and receiver is at a different level that this, uh, this defense has not seen uh, irregardless of how far you go back in history. Yeah. I, uh, I think you, you, you said it perfectly when you talked about every position that we can attack Michigan from Uh, Michigan has not seen a team attack with as many players as we have skill players on offense um, talking about your four deep at wide receiver, your two deep, three deep at tight end, 
You have a running back that's a thousand yard rusher that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Oh, and he's one of the top three pass blockers in the nation um, as, as far as running backs go. You mentioned TCU. Uh, they ran all over these guys, 150 yards rushing um, just for from Demacado last year. Dylan Johnson being hurt is going to slow him down. He is going to play, I believe. Um, I don't have any insider on that, but I do believe he's going to play. And if if we can use him in the right ways, we don't need to give him the volume that he's used to getting the last six weeks. But if we can use him in the right ways with the stretch, the stretch runs and the pitches and the you know those 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 outside runs and get him upfield where he's been good all season. Um, that could be the game changer for us because if Michigan can't just sit back and play, play the pass, um, has to respect the run. That's just like all season. That's going to open up Roma Dunze and Jalen, a healthy Jalen now. And, and, uh, even Jalen Polk, I mean, Jalen Polk had a heck of a semi, you know, uh, uh, sugar bowl. So, just the amount of the variety of attacks that Washington has for the Michigan defense. I think that you could almost neutralize that linebacking core. So we just faced off against Murphy and sweat and everybody talked about what a great interior that was, but man, Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins are really good too. Uh, Mason Graham is the one dude as far as a defensive tackle goes, that was, would worry me. And I know Byron Murphy was pretty good. He was actually surprising me how quick he got off the snap. Yeah. But Mason Graham, they're going to have to keep him at bay because, you know, you don't want anybody coming up the middle like that. They're probably going to have to double team one of those guys at, at certain points. And then you've got, you know, McGregor and Harrell and and Stewart and Grant and Moore and all these guys, they just cycle in at edge. They have a bunch of dudes have they have between like four and a half and like six and a half sacks. Nobody's really like the bell cow guy, but they just there's a lot of good players in that rotation. My for my money, the if we do to their defensive front and pass protection what we did to Texas, we're gonna put up a lot of points on that really good defense. And there's some things that, you know, I don't know where you want to take this next, but I just got a ton of notes from watching all the film today. They can't be as aggressive as they were against Alabama because Milrow was a kid who came in and like, I think after the game, like they'd sacked him like six or seven times, maybe I don't know. He got up to like five or six, pushed him over the 40 mark for sacks on the season. He's a kid that doesn't process the whole field. He's a one kind of one read and go kind of guy. He gets sacked a lot. And they were basically just from the beginning of the game, walking up with five guys, bringing five and playing cover three in the back end and just saying, we dare you to find somebody because they just knew that he couldn't. And that's how they got to him all day. If you do that to Michael Penix, that's going to be a slant or a quick pass out into the, you know, down the numbers that's going to go for a long, a long completion. Michael Penix process is better than anybody you've seen within the last, maybe CJ Stroud last year. And that's it. Michigan has no idea what they're what they're in for if that's the it, it, you go ahead and bring five and six guys we're going to carve you up our offensive line is really good at picking up an extra blitzer or two 
Our, our Max Protect is outstanding with Quentin Moore and Westover and Dylan Johnson. Please be okay, Dylan Johnson. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But as far as the run game goes, I was really encouraged what I saw with Ty Bo. I think he's getting better. I think he's getting stronger. I think the play calling kind of sucked for him when they kept throwing the uh, the pitch. short pitch into the boundary. Like, don't do it again. Like, let's not do that again. <laughs> we could get him involved in the passing game a little bit and get out in space. Oh my goodness! I think that we can absolutely. I think that I think that Coach Grubb is probably looking at this game as like his his masterpiece. Yeah. Okay, these guys are supposedly this great defense. Supposedly they can do all these things. We're going to carve these mofos up. We just have to find a way to give Mike enough time to throw the ball. And I think they will. I mean, when you look at their defense on the back end, the one guy that I want to say he has the most more interceptions than everybody, Sanders Strill. Mike uh, Sanders Strill, I think his yeah. name is yeah. Zero. Yeah. I watched a bunch of stuff on him today, and he's really aggressive and he was taking some really questionable angles coming up and run defense. And he, he can got, do that when you play the quarterbacks that uh, Michigan plays all year. Yeah. Um, definitely had a couple oops moments, like kind of like Cam Fab did a couple times in that, uh, in the Texas game, but he's really fast. He's an athletic kid. I would find where that guy is on the field and run towards him just because I want to see if he can make that play in space. Um. Will Johnson, the cornerback, is very, 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 very good. But he yeah. again, um, we don't have Marvin Harrison Jr. We got like three of them. <laughs> good luck, buddy. Maybe you can clone yourself before uh, Monday. <laughs> Bring uh, bringing up Ryan Grubb um, is is a great point too because there's no games after this one. Uh, that playbook is wide open he can call what he wants when he wants whenever he wants because there's nobody watching that film for the next game uh he's going to get as creative as he possibly can be and uh he's he's going to take all the shots that he wants knowing that there's no game the next week and that's where i think that washington has the biggest advantage um is there anything else that you want to add jake or coach before we move into uh MVPs. Yeah, really quick. Um, just again, some of the stuff I noticed. You I'm just, just roll, man. Out my notes here. You, you just get all roll, the shots out. Roll, baby. The, the, everybody thinks like Big Ten football. We're just going to run it down, man on man, and 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 kind of bludgeon you. Michigan does a really good job of using motions and 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 fake jet sweeps and orbits to kind of get you outflanked. They want to get you to the perimeter. They want to get Blake Corum out outside of your edge defense and kind of carve you up that way it's not a whole lot of power and duo is like the old days where they're just going to run it up the gut in the a gap and the b gap um but man i watched a couple of these games today and it seems that whenever they're running jet and it's not obviously a jet to hand off to the guy he's leading you to where the run's going to go I, like almost 90 percent of the time like a couple tendency breakers and then when they run that orbit stuff behind the quarterback they're going the opposite way I would say like three out of four times it was just window dressing so they could take the ball the other way. Um, like I said, they do really good things with movement in the run game and in the passing game because they have to, they can't just say, all right, we're going to hand it to, you know, Derek Henry back here. Blake Corum's a really good player, but 
he's getting a lot of help with that offensive line and the way they scheme stuff in the run. Their outside zone stuff helped by their jet lead is amazing. And if we are not 100% strong on our run fits, we're going to get gashed. And Texas did a really good job of holding our safeties back. We were taking away the RPO stuff. We got a lot of hands up and we got we had a lot of batted balls because of that. But remember what I said last week, we're going to have to stop the run with seven guys in the box. And it took us a really long time to kind of fit that up. I don't, we don't have the same issue this week with RPO. And I think that that'll help a little bit, but I mean, I would almost be more comfortable playing single high and then just taking our chances with a guy down in the box and just seeing what happens. That's kind of my thought too, is, um, really sell out to stop the run before, you know, it gets going. And I mean, there's, there's dangers along with that. And, you know, JJ McCarthy might hit on some of those balls, but uh, I'm going to take my chances there. Um, We're going to take Michael Penix out because Michael Penix has to be the MVP who on the offensive side of the ball uh, do you think is either going to play a major role or needs to pay, play a major role for Washington to come out with a win. Uh, For for me, it's Jalen McMillan. Um, I think, I think going three, four deep at wide receiver against this defense is going to be imperative. And uh, they're going to pay a lot of attention to Roma Dunze. Um, after last week, they're going to pay a lot of attention to Jalen Polk. I think that's going to leave the middle of the field open for Jalen McMillan. And I think you're going to see a couple long touchdowns from him. You know, that's a really tough one. I I mean, if we're just taking Mike out of it, because, I mean, he's, he's the MVP of all MVPs. Right. He's going to need to have a big game. Obviously. Um, but I'll tell you, I need something from the safeties. As a yeah, group. I said offense. We'll get to defense. Oh, sorry. My bad. Um, on the offense, uh, the tight ends are going to be immense in this game. But I think that when Michigan bails to that, if they bring pressure, especially, they're going to go to that cover three, and sometimes they'll walk up and press those guys on the outside. Or they're going to go to that cover two shell and try to keep everything in. There's going to be plenty of space to operate for Culp and Westover and those and, and Josh Cuevas in, in those intermediates and, and short stuff. We haven't run any wide delay in, in a minute, and I feel like we actually could have utilized that on Monday. But I really feel like the tight end group is going to kind of lay down the law in this game. And Michigan has watched our wide receivers run all over the place for, for all season. Um, they're not ready for – maybe are their linebackers having to chase Cope and West Westbrook and Cuevas. And I just think the tight ends are going to be utilized. It's just a feeling. I think they're going to be utilized more heavily, especially early in the game to kind of get them out of their shell. You guys kind of took both of mine. I think that the guys that affect the middle of the field and force the linebackers and uh, some of their more physical cornerbacks to have to make plays in space in the middle of the field is going to be the biggest, uh, the biggest issue. I'm going to go the easy way out. Um, obviously the offensive line is a big one, but uh, I think Roma Dunze is going to need to be Roma Dunze and, uh, catch every ball that comes to his way, have, uh, somewhere in the realm of 120 to 150 yards through the air, uh, and just continue to be the best receiver in the country. Um, Coach, on the defensive side of the ball, I'll let you go first since you started already giving your answer already, and I don't want to steal it from you, so it's uh, the floor is yours. 
Okay, I'm going to go to the defensive tackles. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a safety group, man. I just think that when it comes to fitting up the runs and getting Michigan into third and longer, I think that, you know what, we haven't seen a lot of safety blitzes or anything like that. That's not really their deal. But to get them kind of contained in the pocket, uh, use a couple of those robber coverages they used against Oregon and a little bit against Texas as well. Try to jump, uh, you know, what's the tight end's name? Lovelace, he, uh, the Michigan guy, he's he's really good. Got to be able to take away the tight end because after Roman, he's the the second yep. yardage getter. And he's just, he's a future NFL guy. He's a really good, talented kid, man. So finding a way to take away that tight end, take away those, those short zones, intermediate zones, and just say, I dare you to throw it down the field. And hey, maybe they'll hit one. Maybe they'll maybe. I mean, JJ's not a bum. I don't. I don't want it to come off as like we think that he's just like this horrible player. Right. I think he's got a better future in the NFL than he does in college. But anybody expecting him to like be a top ten pick and go take a franchise, you know, next year, I think that's asking a little bit much. But he's a super talented kid, big kid, athletic kid. He throws. He's got mechanically. He's got a good motion. He he's got a good arm. He's kind of like Trevor Lawrence in a in a Trevor Lawrence with like shackles on when he was at Clemson because Trevor was allowed to kind of throw the ball around and he was still a very unpolished player when he got to, to Jacksonville. But that's kind of that's kind of the mold I see JD McCarthy in is that he aspires to be Trevor Lawrence. Edifanu hmm. Ulifushio. Um You've been here a long time, man. You've made a lot of tackles for this program. No bigger tackles than the, this week. Last game, you got to make the tackles. You got to stop Blake Corum. You got to you got to stop the run. And it a big part of it's because of you. Um, Eddie's had a great career, and uh, no better way to see it, you know, end in a national championship and and be remembered forever. So because of that, he needs to have the best game of his life. Yeah. And of course, on this side of the ball, we're taking Braylon Trice out of the equation because he is the most important player on this defense. The other one I'm going to say is Thule, um and and MJ Ale. If they're able to get some sort of push and to move that def- uh, offensive, <clears throat> the center and the guards back into the lap of McCarthy uh, around where that handoff is being executed, that's going to throw off Michigan to a point where they're not going to be able to um, operate. And if it happens, Washington's going to roll. So that would be really important. Um, Predictions. I'm not going to play the same game I played last week. Um, Leah Leah almost called us and punched my lights out through the phone. 31-24. Let's stick with the five-point game. 31-25, Washington. It's a six point game. That's what I meant to say. Is six points. <laughs> I picked. I picked six points last week. Yep. So let's stay with six. I did too. I almost nailed last week. Uh, and I'm actually going to go really close to you. Uh, I'm going to say it's 35, 24 dogs. Coach, all this talk about the defense, all this talk about our offense. You know what's going to win out. The season has been wild. It has been highly combustible and weird, and we just keep finding ways to squeak by. 
and that ends on Monday. Are you, are you, are Washington you... is going to find a way to handle the pressure up front like they have done. They're going to be able to pass the ball. They're going to have to, they're going to open up the run a little bit. I think Tybo Rogers is going to be big in this one, one getting a few carries that maybe go for a 15, 20 yard, 30 yard run. Michigan will start to panic and bring their full pressure package, in which case we will screen them to death. We will get rid of the ball and we will control the game. Offensively, Michigan will get some points late. They'll probably get some points early. Let's be honest. We don't have that defense. But in the end, my friends, for the first time in I don't know how long, we're going to win by 10 points. Let's go. 42 to 32. Go dogs. And I will not go to sleep that night in Houston. We will be out on the town. Hey. If we win, me and Trevor aren't sleeping all night either. Let's go. When well, we win. When we win. Absolutely. Um, and that'll do it for us. I can't wait to talk about this game. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, after this, Leah has a message for all of you guys that she pre-recorded. So that'll be in at the end of the episode. Uh, shout out to Leah. Way to be shout out to Jacob. Shout out to Jacob. Hey, shout out to Sound the Siren. I like those guys. All those guys are awesome. Uh, shout out to everybody who's you know been involved in this journey. The the people who are doing stuff. Let's go eat a dub. Go dogs. Go dogs. I'm not here. I recorded this early because I'm stuck in my grad school class like a schmuck. But on Monday we are headed to the national championship. The biggest game in Husky football history since the Rose Bowl win over Michigan to win it all in 1991. Think about all the things in your life that have happened since that moment. Graduations, births, deaths, moves. And we've been Husky fans through it all. Through Don James, Lambeau, Slick Rick, Gilby, Willingham, Sark, Heat, Jimmy, and DeBoer. An 0-12 season that our rivals remind us of. And a 14-0 cardiac K-19 that we won't ever forget. All these young men who could have left early for the NFL, Mike, Rome, Braylon, Zion, Jalen, this is the game they came back to play in. They want to win a national championship for each other, for the UW Brotherhood, and for Husky Nation for supporting, cheering, and lifting them up. Make plans now. Leave work early on Monday, get to your TV, get to a bar, grab some snacks, and watch history. Basketball on Grass is about to play some big boy football against a future Big Ten rival and bring back the most beautiful thing for our Hall of Fame room that we can admire for years to come. We have earned this moment. Enjoy it, relish it, photograph it. Heaven help the foes of Washington. Beat Michigan. Go dogs. Husky Nation, it's the end of the third quarter. Are you looking for the perfect tequila for your next get-together? The answer is born from a hero. Hero de Leon, direct from the prestigious Murguia family just outside Guadalajara, honoring their great-grandfather who saved Mexico from a horrible civil war. It's authentic, courageous, with great integrity, just like the general. Enjoy the smoothest Blanco tequila you've ever tasted or the rich flavor of our Reposado, aged for seven months in American bourbon barrels. Or the ultimate tequila, our Añejo which is aged for 18 months in the same bourbon oak barrels. Go to your favorite liquor retailer or restaurant and ask for Hero de Leon because it's always the end of the third quarter. Imported by Zombie Beverages, Mercer Island, Washington.